Hello and welcome to the Gossip Stone podcast where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. Uh, we focus primarily on racing and the competitive scene as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. I'm Emo Soda. I'm going to be one of your hosts today on the podcast this week. Uh, joined with Chimpa and Reeve, uh, we're going to be interviewing Dylan Nebel, one of the racers involved with the co-op randomizer tournament as we cover co-op randomizer as a whole and as well as the tournament and maybe even get a few predictions in as well and for this week's main topic we're going to cover the co-op randomizer a new way to play that's been picking up some steam and also the co-op tournaments so there's a whole tournament being designed around this thing so and to get a little bit of better idea for these settings and just you know generally how you run co-op randomizer uh, our guest this week is Dylan Nebel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So we should probably start with co-op randomizer itself and maybe just a quick background from you, Dylan. Um, how did you start playing rando and how did you get involved in co-op randomizer? Uh, so yeah, uh, Gavaroni uh, actually is uh, a real life friend, and uh, he had been recently playing. I think he had watched like Spike Vegeta play some of it, and uh, we're you know we're also friends with Spike, so uh, it kind of just made sense for. I was like, yeah, it seems fun. I used to play that game as a child. I'd love to try it out, and. So basically from the very beginning when I started playing, it's always kind of been me and Gav either talking about Rando or, you know, just learning together. So we've always kind of been co-op even when we're doing solo stuff. So Cool. Awesome. And just kind of figured playing together is a pretty much no brainer since uh, you kind of brought you into Rando itself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I said we're, we're close friends. So I think that's, uh, always been a very striving factor to <laughs> just continue playing as a team together. Yeah, that's super cool. And it's also like fairly uh, important in terms of communication for you guys. Obviously, with you two being <laughs> genuine friends in real life, it must be easier to communicate and talk about what it is you're going to do. And not only sort of the good things, but maybe like if it ever comes to criticizing choices on criticizing plays, you know, in a fair way, but like that must uh, help towards that. Oh yeah. It's definitely very easy to joke around and make fun of each other, which is part of the fun of co-op is just always having, you know, someone to talk through while you're, you know, grinding through a barren stone forest for, <laughs> for every seed. But yeah. Yeah, always having someone there to talk to is great and being able to joke around at the same time is even better yeah that's that's awesome um so in regards to sort of um as as a weekly race obviously this is something you've been pushing for a little while what is what has sort of kept you or i guess what started you in regards to pushing sort of the co-op weeklies of, of course anyone that doesn't know there's co-op races every monday there's an eu time and a, an na time uh, which yourself, Dylan, you you host every single week. So what sort of drove you into that? Primarily just being something uh, easy to organize for everyone, right? So if you have a, a solo race, people just announce, hey, you want to race in an hour or so. If you're working with a co-op, you know, it's more people have to be on the same 
together at the same time, harder to actually just say, hey, do you want to race now kind of thing. So having it as just a weekly just made more sense uh, to be organized and we wanted to do more of them. So it just made made sense to give it a shot and try to do it as a, a weekly thing. And yeah, like you said, uh, uh, EU time slot, uh, we normally do it 3 p.m. Eastern every week. And then that, that's 7 p.m. Uh, UTC and NA time is 8 p.m. Eastern. 12 a.m. UTC. Yeah, I guess that's a, a fair point. <laughs> Trying to get these organized and uh, definitely something I've been seeing, obviously, hosting the, the co-op tourney is uh, it's difficult. It can be really difficult getting a load of people, you know, it's the difference between two people at the same time and four people at the same time is so dramatically different, you wouldn't even believe it. So, yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense in regards to actually just having a weekly time for that instead of just yeah we, on, we also took fly. notes we also took notes from the multi-world tournament going on at the time where <laughs> i'm sure that that lasted way longer than anyone intended because of all the organizing and so i mean that started in like 2008 right it's been going for that long <laughs> <laughs> i'm amazed it finished yeah before rando was a thing and it was the yeah. tournament <laughs> signups began uh so i guess the main differences between, you know, solo play for Rando and having a partner and a team, I guess there's a few things that do make a huge difference in how you play and kind of how you succeed as a, as a team versus uh, just as a single player. So I think one of the things I think we talked a little bit about it is just communication. Like you really got to be on, on point with uh, how you talk to your partner, right? Yeah. Um, so learning the cues everyone or your partner has, right, with whether it be names of specific checks or locations, things like that, you have to get used to. Um, we still still get used to it on certain things, but uh, yeah, just being able to process that information, right, because you're not seeing uh, exactly what your partner is seeing. Like, hey, I found this item. Where? How do I get there? Uh, when? When do you think is the best time for me to go there? Kind of thing. Um, so it's always a constant learning process just working with each other yeah and that's that's super important for dungeons especially i know um like you say there to sort of having the names of the checks and not even the names of the checks just the rooms like what what do we call this room and mm -hmm. what do we call this chest in this room you know i know i know when i first started practicing with melrose we were going through forest temple and i was keeping track of keys and i was like Okay, this key is in the uh, it's the upper courtyard skull. Sure, yeah, we'll go with that. And just actually learning what the hell to to call everything is really really important because if if you're under pressure and someone just shouts some random place name at you, if you don't actually recognize what that is, you could write it down wrong. You could forget it entirely. And that just ruins the entire dungeon or potentially the entire run. So it's it's absolutely critical. Uh, yeah, definitely. To get even if it's clean. even if it's saving seconds here or there with uh, you know like going through forest, right? You you always have to kill the pose, but if you don't have to do the chest, like that's probably like three seconds there. So it might not be that big of a deal, but realizing hey, I don't have to check this is it, it saves time overall. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. really interesting hearing what other people refer to checks as and comparing it to what you call them. So like upper courtyard skull, we normally call that um, 
uh, floor master skull because you normally get it as you're out there by floor master but <laughs> yeah it's, don't get me wrong that place name has changed <laughs> that, that that did not stay upper courtyard skull for long i was like man this this sucks to say let's uh, let's make this easier but just the initial sort of again if you haven't done that just the initial oh, crap what the hell do we call this and just coming up with something on the fly it leads yeah, to some very interesting place names I uh, know for me and my partner in the tournaments is Opar, we've the very first thing that we did before we even played together was we sat down and named everything. Um, I think we should have done that for Overworld as well, because I think there's a couple things that even stuck out to us, even after going through everything. But, uh, you know, the dungeons are pretty critical, relaying that uh, key information is like a big thing. Um, we've already seen that in the tournament too. Uh, if you can effectively say what all the keys are in a dungeon to your partner, and they understand you, they can just skip so much and catch right up. Um, which kind of brings us to our next point here, uh, sharing the workload between you and, your, you and your partner. It's not only about the communication, but also how are you divvying up the work and the seed uh, makes a pretty big impact on how fast you can go through the, the whole seed. Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's one of the things that kind of just comes over time. It's hard to practice for that necessarily um, because sometimes you have to follow each other. Sometimes, you know, even if you are splitting, you want to make sure you're doing it efficiently in your partner when they have to go there or don't have to go there or whatever, that you're just covering the most efficient ground. And um, like routing is always going to be one of the the hardest things to figure out each seed is different and obviously the items are placed differently so that, that's always something you're constantly working on it just comes with time honestly like you can only practice so much and then it's just kind of uh, you're working off your teammate so like i know for instance uh, if we split certain areas i i already know like if we, he does lost woods what all he's going to cover in the order he's going to cover it so if i happen to also be in lost woods at the same time uh, for whatever reason, if I come from Goron City or something like that, um, it, it's easier for me to gauge what he's already done. Normally, I always ask anyway, but it, it's something you just kind of got to feel out. Yeah, and that can change so dramatically on the fly as well. Uh, you can go, like I, I guess the example you mentioned there is like, right, well, they're in Lost Woods. They don't have bombs. I have bombs, so I'll do those. And then all of a sudden, they find bomb shoes. It's like, oh, wait, ah. Oh, now, do they do? Do they waste chews? Do I waste my chews? Do we wait for the hammer? You know, if someone's got a hammer as an adult, you uh, and part of the, I guess, challenge with this is those decisions. Is right? Okay, well, you could do this, but it's less efficient, or it's going to be a waste of resources. Should we wait until I do this? Even though that's going to be like five, ten minutes after when I go here, and you know, if I go to Minuet, I can then get it done. But you're already there, and that is. Uh, a massive deal and it's something you can easily see you know the teams like yourself and the sort of the, the, the better teams in the tournament you can see that they adapt so well to those decisions and and you know it does end up saving them time when they get it right and even if they get it wrong it's like well that's okay because you know someone will clean that up soon after but if you can't adapt to that and that, that again it's the biggest challenge for me of co-op is just adapting to those high pressure changes of routing and changing of changes of what you can do it's like you know if you if you've got your plan set up for right 
we're going to do this and then you're going to do that you know you're going to go to CAC and I'm going to go through Lost Woods so on and so forth and then all of a sudden you find like two out of the three items you need to go mode it's like ah oh, shit <laughs> this changes everything uh cool you finished Lost Woods I'm going to go clear my five dungeons yeah um. that's a, a massive <laughs> thing as well is uh in a co-op environment you always generally want to be split up but I think the bigger thing is you always want to be do different or be doing different checks, but you don't always want to be completely split off, right? Except for that example, uh, if you know, hey, we've done a lot of stuff and we still don't really have much, and this area has the most checks, it's a very good chance we're going to find something there. And so if you even if you're in the same area doing different checks, you're still doing it faster and you're you're covering the most efficient ground so not only learning when to separate but also learning when to do the same thing but doing different checks is uh like kind of the the next level of uh <laughs> of co-op really and that goes with medallions and stuff too like okay i've done this medallion i still have to do it there wasn't really anything there but you know you're gonna have to do it at some point anyway anyway like when when do you go there or do we do it at the same time like sometimes it's not always better to split off yeah i think that's the question that i've been i guess asking myself and a few other people a lot is okay well when do you just just catch up on medallion progress because obviously if one person is three medallions ahead of you then great they're going to finish quite soon but you're going to finish way after them and obviously because this is on an average time to just i guess to explain to anyone that doesn't know the settings that we're working on the overall time is calculated between the average of the first person to finish and the second person to finish so if someone finishes at two hours someone finishes at three hours the average time is two hours 30 and that's their overall time so if you're 10 minutes behind each other it's like well this is great for the first person but if it's going to take ages to catch up the other two could finish in between you and it's sort of that balance of right do i want to just push someone really far ahead to get them finished and get into go mode and rush as much as we can or should we sort of stick together in terms of progress and both finish really close together maybe a few minutes later than one person could have and i honestly i don't really have an answer to what works best there because i've seen some people do it one way some people do it the other and there's no real like i've not quite worked out when best to do that and it's so difficult to know when to do that if that makes sense so i guess the next thing to discuss is the settings so obviously the co-op races that you were running previous to the the tournament getting set up were i believe it was it all dungeons uh boskion was it bridge or boskion all dungeons uh bosky on all dungeons bosky. we went through several different settings but yeah the last one we were on before tournament yeah it was uh all all dungeons was for bosky and ganon's castle was open from the start yeah and since the obviously since the tournament got created there's been a change of sayings in terms of both the weeklies obviously to match the tournament and the, the tournament itself introduced some new ones so obviously scrub sanity uh, dungeon token sanity starting as adult which I think personally is the biggest uh, one One of the biggest routing changes is that start um, and obviously open, open bridge and boss key on six medallions instead of all dungeons I think one of the things that 
we wanted for the tournament was specifically not having it so that the weaker teams, you know, to, for lack of a better phrase, um, would essentially have no chance of winning because it, came, it largely came down to execution. You know, we had to do all dungeons, therefore it was more of an execution game than it was a sort of uh, a gambling, risk-taking game. So bringing that back to six medallions and adding those extra settings to sort of buffer out the time a bit more made the balance so that yes there were still gambles to make and there were still plays obviously the gamble is always rush ice as we've seen in pretty much every single <laughs> every single race so far don't go to gtg always rush ice um <laughs> which makes no sense but that's honestly what it's been uh, been like um but i think i think the settings have worked well what do, what do you guys think so I think the biggest thing for me and the like, kind of biggest departure from weekly standard settings is dungeon skulls. I just, they make dungeons really, really strong, just like almost too strong in a way. Uh, just, I don't know if that's not me used to it or not. I mean, I do come across dungeon skulls and random settings every now and then, but uh, to have it every seed, it just changes how you can route your, your dungeons completely. And I don't know, I'm, I think with two players per team you have the same seed i think it's probably fine the dungeons are really strong but you know we buffed all of the dungeons this way with five extra checks uh per dungeon so it makes some of the worst dungeons okay but it also makes the best dungeons even better so things like ice cavern things like spirit temple those gain a lot more value with dungeon skulls like insanely so like you're adding <laughs> three extra checks to ice but there was already like basically seven i think and if you're including fountain so like you know you're getting towards numbers that rival like bottom of the well in normal settings you know quote unquote which is uh pretty insane so i, I can kind of see why a lot of people have been going for ice it's a lot of checks it's pretty dense it's a little out of the way but it also holds a song um one of the i think i really like the songs not being you know placed in the item pool it's just so much nicer to route in general um and you get uh, punished a lot less for that and kind of risky plays things that you can aggressively go for I, I think you can get paid out pretty well with dungeon skulls so i think overall it's it's a good enough of a change but i think for like weekly play i probably wouldn't want it but for something like this i think it uh plays pretty pretty perfectly honestly I think Dungeon Token Sanity is probably my least favorite of the settings uh, mm -hmm. that were added. It's still fine. Uh, like you said, it does add checks to dungeons, and it's just more checks overall. So it, as a, a co-op, collectively, it just adds more time to the seed a little bit. Um, and it throws in a couple weird checks, like uh, back of Deku and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's fine. It, it's, it is my least favorite of them, though. Um, favorite probably being uh adult start <laughs> i think it's another one that's also kind of like it doesn't really matter you start it's just your opening route but i think it has a lot more variance in routes um in a co-op setting rather than just starting child and i think uh when uh when chimp was asking me initially about potential setting ideas and he threw out like the random age start i was i, I was initially against it and I thought about it, and I was like, wait, no, Adult Start actually seems kind of cool. <laughs> and I, I definitely think it has been talking about different routing stuff, and trying that out has, has been a ton of fun. So 
uh, I think. Yeah, I, I know there's been a lot. Of, there was a lot of discussion early on of you know when when the tournament was getting set up of like right well, is this actually a good thing? And I know there were some definitely some uh, people that were outspoken against that. But adult starts bad, and child starts the best one. Adult start limits your routes and stuff like that. I don't think personally, and what you say, I think it. I if anything, I think it enhances the amount of options you have. Um, and it just makes the start of a seed different, and you know, because unless you're doing random sayings like uh, you know, emo and everywhere uh, the, the folks in the rando league are doing, you're always going to start child. You you essentially have one of three or four routes, unless you're Zephyr and choose to potato skip like a madman. Um, <laughs> but you know, you 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 already know what to expect, and you know exactly. You, you know, you some people have been doing that for years. So I think it was just nice to split that up and have, you know, that route is still viable. You know, you literally just need to pull a sword and save quit and then you can just follow that route if you want to anyway. Um, but just giving the option of, okay, well, a lot of people rush, rush adult early on. Let's just have that open and let's have, you know, with open bridge, Gavin's Castle is an option and then you can switch, uh, you know, change time of day immediately to nighttime, do three song immediately in nighttime, uh, nighttime market with shops open. So I, I really like the variance that's brought. And as you say, when we were discussing it, I think because I took to you, I was like, yeah, random age, Hell Knight really wants this. <laughs> like, he was, it, it was the only setting he wanted. He's like, I want random age. It's the only thing I want. And then when we and you were discussing it, we were like, well, maybe adult only, maybe adult style works better. Actually, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> screw, screw random age. Let's just start adult. That's that's miles better. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm glad we chose that in the end. And um, I, 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 I really enjoy watching people's opens. And I guess which leads us on to the next topic, which is opening rounds. And there are again so many different ones. We've had, you know, there's there's child adult split. You can just you know one person immediately checks the pedestal, goes as child, and then they can do three or four different things in there you can do double adult where one person goes to uh you know gammon's castle the other person to cack um so i guess let's just discuss those in terms of their effectiveness um one that i've been seeing in particular from you dylan is the double adult kakariko play yeah <laughs> So just take me take me through that one because my in my head I can't still I still can't work out why that's a thing but I know I've been seeing it more and more so I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so um, I think the number one route people are doing right now is you know, double adult. One person goes Ganon's immediately. One person goes Cac, and I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, um, but. It kind of retouches on what I was mentioning earlier about uh, you don't always have to split up and you can kind of do the same thing as long as you're doing different checks. And so it covers a lot of ground and then allows us to split up easier later um, while also being efficient, right? So the, the biggest thing is there's a free song there every seed. So both having access to that song really early on uh, can definitely change things. Eventually you get it anyway, but having it immediately is uh can be uh, a big benefit and also the way it lines up um 
I'm able to like check the shops and Gav is able to like just finish like Dampe, right? So I'm right there if I need to do Dampe and we're just covering different grounds. Then we're able to split up afterward much easier in our mind while also staying nearby, right? Like that's kind of the thing where we're we're doing different things, but we're nearby if we need to get the item that the other person found. Whereas if one person's uh, in Ganon's castle, they're almost always going to go immediately child, running out to CAC uh, to pick up items and coming back uh, generally wastes too much time of day sometimes. And um, it just feels a little bit more awkward to to us. So we, we personally don't like that route. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the main pers- or reason behind it is the free song uh, and nearby for really early game checks. And so it also it also provides uh, we get a lot of shops really early on uh, and, and additional checks to find um, a potential shield before going into Ganon's castle, which makes climbing the tower a lot easier. Um, or or Deku oh, shield for or uh, yeah Deku shield for going Deku. Yeah, the amount of times I've seen people die to those Stalfos has exponentially increased uh, <laughs> in the past few weeks. I've seen so many deaths. In the validation chest is being uh, quite unreal, um, but no, that's that's a fair point. I know that the free song um, is definitely definitely valuable, and depending on what that is, could be you know if if it's a warp song, that's just unbelievably useful. Or something like Saria's song, Zelda's lullaby. You know, it's just like okay, well this pays off immediately because you've got more checks if you find bombs and more access to things. What I don't quite get from that route is the one person that does graveyard that seems way less efficient um because it's it's essentially three checks um so if that song becomes you know let's say the song is like song of time or something and then you go into graveyard there's nothing in the shops for me that feels like a bigger punishment than it might be worth the risk if that makes sense uh, it definitely can be. It always depends on the seed, but in general, we prefer just having the song no matter what it is. And then uh, he, he's Gav's the one that normally goes to the graveyard. And so just warping or save warping out of getting the song in the windmill um, to then go Ganon's, if nothing else is there, just seems to work out pretty well for us. Um, yeah, so we've done a lot of uh, testing with that, and we've also tested... Uh, uh, going uh, adult child split and it seems fine too but once uh, once we get past the opening it feels like we're almost always following each other in in three song route or something Um, it just doesn't feel as as clear as to what our mid game step is for for splitting and optimal routing so yeah, that's just what we've settled in and got comfortable with. So it might not be the best. Uh, I guess I'm. Yeah, I don't know if it's the best, but we we just prefer it right now. So yeah, well, that's fair. Obviously, I'm not absolutely not criticizing the choice. You know, you you two are two of the best runners in the co-op tournament. It's uh, more of just food for thought in terms of some of these openers for people to listen into, and if they can, you know, if, if anything that we speak about takes their fans though actually yeah that's a great idea dylan's a genius chimp's an idiot let's go uh then you know fair fair play to them and they would almost always be right uh (laughs) but yeah obviously the as you say the early ganon's castle play is something very new to the settings of course with ganon's castle generally 
off until the very end of most seeds in sort of weekly play. Um, and then again, unless you're running sort of rando things, uh, you don't often get to go into Ganon's Castle and actually hunt for checks. And especially with the scrubs on, it's essentially is it oh, is it eight checks straight away if you include validation checks. So it's essentially like a better Mido's house for adult. Um, and watching people route that in has been really fun. Um, but it can be punishing for time of day specifically because uh, obviously if you go to Ganon's castle it changes from uh, you know when you go as child or the next time you leave it'll be night times or dampe time let's call it you know dampe digging time um, and that again that can be punished but it can also be utilized really well into early song routing if you go and do three song you're already at night time you can pick up the egg and go from there so it's uh it's been really interesting to see people uh, do Ganon's Castle uh, and how many times they go back there per seed as well. Because <laughs> those trials open up to a whole variety of different things. Yeah, I think uh, to add on to what you were saying, the if you go Ganon's Castle first, you're almost always forced to then go three song or at least do ZL immediately because of time of day. Uh, and also if you haven't grabbed the song from, uh, from CAC... Uh, you're almost always uh, either running out of Ganons and then save warping or double save warping. And uh, if you have a, a warp song, like let's say you get, get prelude, then perfect. Uh, you just prelude out of Ganons. So it, it can inherently save a lot of time uh, potentially from from that free song and CAC, plus possibly having a shield. And uh, I don't know, it, it overall... Um, Feels like it's it could be more punishing rushing Ganons right away in our opinion, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think that uh, definitely CAC into Ganon is the way there. Even if you know, even if you both don't go to CAC, the person that does go to you know Adult Kakariko once they finish there, then into Ganon's castle, they might even have a hook shot or some bombs or something to get an extra check or two in Ganon's castle itself. Um, and that can be a, a big boon, especially if you find something in Spirit Trial or the first chest in Shadow Trial. God forbid you find enough things to do the second chest in Shadow Trial <laughs> before, <laughs> before you go in a Ganon's Castle. That's one hell of a jet seed. Um, but yeah, I completely agree that that, is, that makes sense and is probably the optimal play there um, with either the other person, again, following into CAC or going child, checking all of those shops, which you know you now have access to, and that's... 12 checks depending on time of day just in market alone on shops um, so it's really worthwhile yeah, I love Ganon's it's just a sweet dungeon in general you never get to run it I mean as long as you know where things are in there and trials aren't even on on the tournament settings which is kind of a nice departure from how it used to be whereas kind of I felt like the co-op settings were a little bit too at least the ones being run were too like quick or something. So I think it used to be like all trials or some number of random trials were on to to try to mitigate that. But then it was always just like, okay, where's light arrows? Where's strength three? And then you kind of go from there. So uh, I think something like affordable scrubs. It's one of the things uh, that balances out. Probably my I would agree with you. My least favorite setting is being uh, dungeon skulls. But I think the the overworlds just it gets balanced so much better with uh affordable skulls or scrubs sorry and uh i don't know it's just nice it adds more things to the pool makes it more interesting it's like a beefier three song if you kind of think of it that way so 
at least for my team, I'm the guy that just runs the bean lines for straight for Ganons. And then Zophar is reading all the hints and, you know, just uh, saying them back to me and I'm writing them down as I'm backwalking. And so I just clear out Ganons. But then we've kind of come across this problem of like, do you even go for Ganons boss key? The check there because it's it's so long you, you know you're gonna have to do it anyway but you also run the risk of dying which wastes even more time and it's like you know it's at least a couple minutes of not getting new information not covering new ground kind of the things we were talking about so um i think in our practices and our first match we just hard skipped it until the second trip whatever it's probably nothing anyway and then uh, for our most recent match um, in the group, we thought it was a kind of important match, so we didn't want to risk it. So we just did it anyway, and it, didn't, it was like a piece of heart. And so it didn't even matter in the end. But uh, it's definitely interesting seeing people go through Ganons and how they kind of structure their routing there. We use it mostly for time of day because we just want to get the songs ASAP, um, you know, kind of just cover ground. But... Maybe some general advice for routing for some of the teams that might be watching the co-op tournaments uh, might be thinking of getting, you know, trying out co-op settings, uh, maybe with a new partner, prospective partners. So um, maybe like what, what kind of things would you say to uh, people like that, Dylan? Um, well, <laughs> Not to put I think you on the spot. It, it, the, I think the the most important thing is you, you have to be paired with someone you have fun with. Like we talked in the very beginning, like it's it's just fun to to joke around as we're playing the seed too. And I think that's the the most important thing is you have to get along with your teammate, right? Otherwise, you're you're not having fun, and that's the whole point of it is to have fun. Um, so so that's probably step one. Then then with routing, it's it's just it's always a uh, a learning experience um i think yeah just you know you, you have to see what feels right like the the route we do I, I i don't know if it is the optimal route but it feels good to us and so i think that whatever feels good as you're playing like what what syncs up with your teammate you have to pay attention to time of day like when you are doing the same things uh just certain things to pay attention to um because it, it, it is very easy to say very first thing, right? Okay, we're split. I'm going Ganons, you're going CAC, right? But then, like, what's the next step? How, do, how does all of it line up later on? Um, so if you are a, be a beginner team and, and trying to figure that out, I think you just have to try different routes, uh, see what some other teams are doing, and just whatever feels best, honestly. Like, you're never going to straight up win from an opening 99% of the time. So... You just do what feels the best, honestly. Yeah, the mid game is, in my opinion, the uh, the hardest part of this. Is you, you know you can stick to your routes as hard as you want to, but once you find those items, then comes the real decisions of right now what? <laughs> you know, there's there's six or seven dungeons open to you all of a sudden, and you've got five or six different items to follow, and overworld exists and dungeons exist. It's like oh man, that is that is where the real difficulty comes in. Um, so when it you know asking for a friend who is part of a team that's currently one and one and needs to beat what the hell's happened in Phoenix <laughs> um, what would you say in terms of when you should really 
focus on just driving home the progression you know i know i know this is different for seed and i know this is different very situational but in if you were to sort of try and generalize at what point you know at what point close to go mode should we say that you should be like right we need to catch up on progression let's say someone has a couple of medallions behind um you know what at what point would you focus on just getting one person co-op I think especially if you're closer to the end of the seed where you're only looking for one or two items, if, if either teammate is behind in medallion progression, that's exactly what they should be doing 100% of the time because you have to do it eventually. And if they're also checking things that aren't progression, again, like it's the average of the team that matters. So getting them in regression dungeons almost immediately seems like the right play. Uh, you finish up immediately what you're doing and then then do the progression if it's earlier on in mid game and that's kind of like why we prefer our opening is we stay a little bit closer at the beginning to make sure we both have the uh the early game items and no one's really playing catch up and then it feels easier to spread out um in the mid game so it's harder for one person to get like two medallions ahead because one person is normally doing one medallion the other person's doing the other or you know they're just both doing the same medallion dungeon and and uh so yeah sometimes the seeds just play out like that where okay i went to this medallion and now i have items for the next one so you're just chaining and the other person's doing cleanup elsewhere but yeah once you get closer to go mode if a person's behind i think always send them on on progression in my opinion Mm. i guess uh on the flip side of that is sort of at what point well no, i guess not at what point but for how long do you you know say you and gab are playing a seed or whatever and you're like right okay well i've just done forest or i've just done fire temple or something like that just leave that for now come back later how how do you sort of go through that in terms of the right play to make Obviously, if there's a nothing in that dungeon, it sort of becomes fairly obvious. Of, nah, it's okay. You can leave a quick fire temple. There's nothing in it. Just do it later on. But let's say you've got like a forest or a shadow, maybe a spirit temple to catch up on. When do you just make the call? It's like, no, it's okay. You know, just leave that for now and focus on, you know, we haven't touched GTG yet. Let's go to GTG. Uh, when, for how long do you do that for? Um... Sorry, in which scenario was this? Like, what state so, of the game? So, so you know, let's say it's early, early-ish state of the game. You know, you're you're just picking up a few items here or there. Not close to go mode just yet. But for sort of again, for how long? I guess do you just just put off that progression, the raw progression, the medallions, in favor of just checking those things that you haven't done, even though you might get to build up those medallions behind one another. Uh, when does that seem reasonable to do? Yeah, so um, that mostly comes down to uh, just math at that point, right? What's the most number of checks you're going to get quickly? And also, um, how easy is it to come back to where you are or um, yeah, the, the next progression area, right? So warp songs are the biggest thing that influence that, Furore's Wind. Um, if those are accessible... Uh, and you can go to a more check-dense area that neither team has gotten to, especially if the other player is behind an item to go there or to full clear, like, GTG. 
um, that's that's definitely a play, right? So let's say, um, yeah, let's say like both people have hammer. One person's done fire bosky super early. Um, that person, in my opinion, probably doesn't keep going in fire if they have access to like GTG or Ice Cavern or something, just because it's it's going to be slower checks overall, and you know your other teammates going to go there eventually as well, and then they just full clear while they're there. Um, so it's a combination of that of do you know your teammates coming back what items do they have and how easy is it for me to get back if i need to um just balancing all that out early on is is always the the tricky part and things to keep in mind it's probably one of the biggest things uh, in terms of differences between this and standard solo is even just like a co-op on standard setting seeds for instance if you do that um, I think dipping gets a lot better. So like kind of like you're saying, if you just go dip into a new area, as long as it doesn't take you, you know, too long to get there, or maybe you can like semi-full clear or full clear, then sure, you know, that's a pretty good option because then you cover a lot of ground that way. Um, versus if you were playing standard settings, you know, you can get pretty punished depending on what the hints exactly are. Uh, I think that's probably one of the things we didn't touch on, right, is the, the hint settings for these tournament seeds that we're talking about. Um, probably one of the bigger changes, too, is that you don't have Way of the Heroes and Foolish anymore. And like, no, screw that. <laughs> that's getting thrown out the window. Uh, it's, it's kind of too strong in a way, especially when you have two people. It's like you're drawing a picture of, like, Garfield, for instance. Um, so I'm drawing this picture of Garfield <laughs> and I'm using one hand. I can't wait where this is going. But my pencil's really small and I can only like, you know, get a little bit like it'll take forever, but I can, you know, I can draw Garfield pretty well. But if I get a second hand, you know, a second body in the seed, um, man, you can just do so much more and you can just, you know, more delicately routes through the seed. You can do a lot of strategies that you can't do in solo play so kind of like um you said earlier you, you know you can double team can you can double team progression dungeons sure doesn't matter you know as long as you're not doing the exact you know exact same things um there's some kind of delay between you and your partner so that you can not like be in the same room for instance but you can maybe they're like halfway through shadow and then you go into shadow it's pretty good um kind of buffer zone there and it's important to keep that, I think, throughout the whole seed. Um, I don't know. What, what do you guys kind of think about that kind of uh, d delay between you and your partner? Yeah, that's. Um, I, I completely agree that having a delay makes sense. If anything, something I found when uh, racing with Melrose, um, I, l let's say that Shadow's on the cards, you know, and this is something which actually happened to us recently. Um, if we both have access to shadow at the same time we both need to do it it's like well you know we're kind of going to trip over each other's feet a little bit if any, if there's still something left you know let's say we still we got one item from go mode if anything it might make sense to just do a couple more overworld checks whilst the person gets a little bit of a head start in shadow temple so that you're not being inefficient by tri tripping again tripping over each other let's say you go into shadow temple and both of you do the re-dead and both of you do dead hand and it turns out neither of them are necessary so you've essentially just wasted two people's time instead of one person's time whereas one person could have gone and handed in 20 skulls 
and gone and done you know adult archery or something like that which are new checks the other person hasn't done but you're not wasting any time because you save the time that that person would have done doing the re-dead check and the dead hand so i definitely agree with building up a little bit of a buffer in every dungeon if possible obviously if you're in go mode just go for it you know there's nothing you can do just get through it as fast as you can um and that's especially useful with four oars wind um but if if you're not in that position i yeah i agree try and try and make a buffer try and create just that a little bit of distance so that you're not doing the same things at the same time and collectively wasting a bit of time um just to top up, touch on the hints again um how have you found the hint system in the the, the sort of the new structure obviously again no way the heroes no uh, barons personally i have really enjoyed not being sort of handheld through the seed uh and i it's honestly something that i'm quite reluctant to go back to in terms of standard settings is that i actually really prefer the idea of not having those way of the heroes i'm not sure about you guys uh, i definitely really like these settings for co-op and i think that was um uh, i think you touched on before with the before the tournament we were playing with all dungeons settings which is definitely more uh favored for execution players um and we didn't have custom hints uh, until like the very end right before the tournament started uh so having those hints uh does allow some some better uh understanding especially like the ocarina of time hint to know earlier on if it how likely it is to be all dungeons and so um not having to do all dungeons every seed like we were doing before feels nice uh, and the hints feel really balanced and uh, i think if when we get done with the tournament i'll probably still leave all dungeons off after having this experience and adding other settings but um going to solo play with way the heroes and stuff like i haven't even done that many solo seeds in a long time so every time I see away the hero hint, I'm like, oh yeah, those things still exist. <laughs> but uh, they can be overpowered. They can be useless, but <laughs> in certain seeds. But I, I, like I definitely really like these settings for co-op, for sure. Or these uh, um, hints for co-op. And that's a certain consistency to the seeds and kind of playing through them, at least from my experiences. Um it's nice because you can balance out, you know, oh, okay, we've gotten three hints that are all in Fire Temple, and they're all, like, bust or something. So we know that, okay, there's, like, two or three items maybe in there. And if there's an early boss key, then, well, there's no way I'm going to continue in there. There's, you know, loads of other really good places and areas to go to, uh, dungeons, progressions, so what have you. But, um yeah, just the more varied number of hints, not not number, but like the varied um, different kinds of hints than you normally see. You know, it's not just general areas. It's this very specific thing, and it has a lot of implications usually too. Um, and I, th I think the pool is really uh, pretty well selected. I think um, if it were to go to like a solo seed and you kind of change it to this hint structure, you have to add probably just more locations so probably less duplicates overall um but i think it could probably work say if you got like uh 
I don't know, 10 sometimes duplicated plus some other things, some always hens. I, I could see it working and not being too bad. Um, I mean, a lot of the time you can even skip way to heroes and barons and be perfectly fine as long as you can, you know, know, okay, if hammer's placed here, then I do this stuff or this gets better and that, that sort of thing. So um, overall, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, moving on to the actual co-op tournament we keep talking about. Um, maybe you should uh, talk through that a little bit. Yeah, so the co-op tournament started, oh, it was about three, four weeks ago. I can't actually remember the exact day. I think it was May 8th uh, it started. So, yeah, about four weeks ago now. Um, that's uh, general structure is... Uh, group phase, uh, so a group groups of four, uh, top two go through per group. It goes into a single elimination, uh, which is I'm gonna say randomly seeded, but because challenge is really difficult to navigate, we <laughs> haven't quite worked out how that's gonna work yet. Um, but yeah, the the top two from every group will be seeded against each other into a single elim bracket until we have an overall winner. No double elim, no losers bracket. Um, because, and again, this is something that you picked upon earlier, uh, Dylan. Using the multi world as an example, uh, I think uh, organizing a double elim bracket after all this would have been absolute chaos, and would have elongated the tournament by probably about two months. So I think it's uh, something which has worked quite nicely for this one. Uh, is the, the single elim, and it, it worked well in the last uh, the, the challenge cup. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's worked best here. I think everyone gets their sort of guaranteed three games in the groups, regardless. And then just obviously from that point, it's just as many games as you keep winning. Um, One of the bigger things to kind of take away from the multi world tournament is just how long it took for scheduling. I mean, even for this, this isn't ha hasn't been too bad um, generally. I think there's been a precedent set by you know the Challenge Cup, which happened previous to this. Uh, while season three was ending um, but it it's really comes comes down to scheduling even season three it, it lasted for a long time almost due to scheduling entirely um, to a certain point so I think that's one of the biggest things you know going forward for future tournaments anyone listening that wants to make their own tournament uh, especially for rando I think that's like the number one thing to be pretty aggressive about and we've kind of seen that already uh, with the random settings tournament that's already started um, which I, I have helped to organize. Uh, but uh, for, for that, it's, it's probably hyper-aggressive. You have two days to schedule uh, once you know the matchup, and then you have to play within a week. But, you know, it was a smaller crowd, so we felt more um, reasonable, or we felt more um, positive that everyone would be pretty reasonable with that and adhere to it. So we kind of went through it, and... Still experimenting with it a little bit with the uh, the structure, but that, that's one of the main things that I think has made this tournament um, move on pretty well. And it, again, like no double elimination, no, you know, even more scheduling than than you uh, would be required to otherwise. And we've seen it work before, so I'm excited to see how long that actually takes for the for the tournament. Probably at least a month or two, I would imagine, but who knows. And so, Chimp, where did you get the idea for a co-op tournament? Uh, I know I knew you were help setting setting it up, but I don't know the the full story behind it. Yeah, so 
<laughs> the funny thing is, is that this was almost very, very close to being a Triforce Hunt tournament. Um, we once we finished the Challenge Cup initially, you know, we had we had a great time organizing. I think a lot of people enjoyed the Challenge Cup as a whole, and we we're like, right, okay, well, let's move on to the next tournament. You know, let's just go from strength to strength and start building up on the next tournament. So I sent out a survey on. Because we knew that we didn't want some just default standard settings. We wanted something a little more out there. Even if it was, you know, Triforce Hunt with standard settings, at least that's something new. And we felt there was a bit of a call for just, you know, that as, as you all know already, you know, uh, sort of rando rando has been picking up a lot because people just enjoy different settings and don't often get to do it as much. So we were really confident we wanted some extra settings and just something to break the mold from general general standard play. So survey went out and you know there was a good amount of votes on what people want to see. And up until the very last day of that survey, Triforce Hunt was winning and we were almost dead set on what we wanted to do for the Triforce Hunt tournament, what we want you know who we were going to get involved to help and so on and so forth. And then on the last day it turns out a crap ton of people voted for co-op <laughs> and we're like huh where's this come from and it was like nine or ten people just sort of on that very last day for the survey all voted co-op and once we broke down the survey results it turns out that there were way more people that were just wanting a co-op tournament than any other sort of settings and uh specific tournaments that we'd sort of laid out there so we're like oh well this changes things not what we were going, you know, not what we were going for. But the more we thought about it, the more we were actually, you know, really behind the idea. Multi World had just finished, and I know a lot of people like the Multi World tournament. Um, something that I know Spike Vegeta was definitely up for was a co-op tournament, and he was sort of looking into it himself a little bit. And I, you know, I uh, spoke to him and just, just just made sure that he wasn't doing anything as well, just in case we sort of uh, crossed over one another. Uh, and then yeah from that point it was just picking picking the sayings that because as well as the main sayings we had sort of the additional sayings that people were uh, voting on and just picking the ones from there which made sense um, whilst also fighting off Hell Knight and him wanting specific sayings I'm like no you can't have this it doesn't work <laughs> this saying isn't compatible with co-op go away uh, and just having to fight him down and again I guess fight myself down as well because there were some settings I was gunning for but I was like there's no point just making a tournament for me let's go with the settings that actually everyone voted for so got what we did it took a bit of iterating and you know I was speaking to you Dylan about setting this up and you know bridge open bridge and uh, vanilla bridge the hint system took a while to set up I mean Christ we were almost ready with the tournament before the hints were sorted mainly because I'm bad at actually getting technology and software to work and couldn't generate my own distribution for a while but hey I ended up writing my own hint so there we go um, and yeah it just, it just went from there and it picked up and picked up and I only see I thought there'd be about 20 teams um, and I was way underestimate <laughs> there's over 100 people in this tournament I was like, oh my god this is way more than I thought it was more popular there's more people in this than the challenge cup which really surprises me um, but yeah I'm, I'm just glad to see a lot of people involved yeah I'm, I'm super happy and excited with how everything's going and continuing to go uh, uh, obviously being 
the person who had like kind of started the co-op weekly it's obviously also drawn attention there and i just like like that everyone's experiencing it and having having fun like i said being able to you know play rando for for three hours or however long and uh just have someone to chat to all the time is uh makes it a much much more fun experience and uh being able to be competitive in a in a tournament like this is also super fun so yeah yeah that's something that i because i'd never done a co-op <laughs> the irony of hosting this and actually never having done a co-op race before um so very very soon after implementing the the tournament i was like right you know what i need to be involved i need to get a co-op done i need to find a partner and so on so approached melrose who i've been speaking with a fair amount uh and I, I like we couldn't believe because Melrose has never done one either. We couldn't believe how much fun we had, just just screaming at each other and be like, right, okay, we need to do this, and this is now open, and what's the best play here? Take note of these keys. God damn it, I'm not repeating them for the fifth time, and just <laughs> going that the back and forth that we had for this tournament, and just going through these seeds have been so much fun. As you say, picking someone that you can have fun with is paramount and you'll you'll do better and you'll try harder when you're working with and working together with someone that you you know you get on with and you know you're you're just really gritting your teeth and just doing as best you can uh because you are having so much fun and actually want to uh just do as best as possible for the other person yeah that's a that's a huge part of this and i think a lot of people have chose right there's some really interesting teams some really fun teams um and i i've loved seeing uh just the dynamic between the the teams that we already have has been excellent yeah i think it's great for um like beginner players as well too because generally that means it's slightly longer seeds and you're also constantly learning at this game it's never ending so being able to have someone to talk to, like, hey, I've I've seen how this is how this works. How, how do you, how do you actually do this? And have someone be able to like walk you through it in the middle of the seed or um, or something is great for beginners as well. So I think there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense. Why it's pretty popular. Yeah, there's been names that I've never even seen in the community that have uh, come into this, so that's been that's been awesome. You know, <laughs> uh, the, the amount of people that joined the Discord, and I'm like, cool, never heard of you, never heard of you, and there's just streams of people that it's just really good to see them get involved when otherwise they might not have done. You know, they might not have joined the the sort of weekly races, the standard weeklies on their own, but have wanted to just play with a friend. So. That's been awesome. I guess, uh, who do you think's going to win the tournament? Oh, boy. Um, that's a really tough one because obviously you've got, you've got the, you've got, and I'm not just saying this because you're a host, Dylan. However, you've got Dylan and Gav who have been sort of front running this for ages and tons of experience, won plenty of races as a pairing. But then you've got like teams that I never thought would just appear out of nowhere, like ATZ and Duke, and you're like, wait, ATZ and Duke is that that's a team? Oh my god! Like, how good are they gonna be? Because obviously st- solo they are incredible players, but you don't actually I don't personally know the dynamic of those two in terms of how they're gonna be as a team. 
but individually you'd you'd back either of them to win as a solo tournament so it's you know you've got riley and goomba as well uh you've got just so many sort of top 32 players that have sort of banded together what the hell and phoenix feather and it's really tough to choose there's so many good teams yeah, I think uh, ADC and Juke, they were on the, a multi-world team together, too. And, like, Namaha and Sponge, who they they won the multi-world tournament, right? <laughs> so, yeah. like, they, they there's, there's several teams that do have um, co-op experience and just are phenomenal at the game in general. So it, it's almost impossible to say. And as, as many mistakes as I make every seed, it, it's hard to say we're <laughs> any sort of favorites. But... <laughs> I think it's there's a ton of teams that could take it, and uh, it'll just be super exciting to watch regardless if if I'm not playing in it or or whatever. But um, yeah, I I, I I can't wait to see who comes out and, and what the what beautiful seeds uh, you guys decide to roll. <laughs> there there have been some incredible seeds <laughs> rolled recently in this tournament. Oh my god. From absolute monumental jet seeds to chaotic, everything is in the world. I mean, what was it? Riley was it Riley and Goomba yesterday? Or oh, I can't remember who it was that had all three strengths in the well. Whoa! <laughs> and all that three? was that was yeah, all three strengths in the well, and that was absolutely absurd. You had Ruto's letter in light trial. Uh, and you had to go to the well. I think it wasn't even easy to get into the well, but once you got in there, all three strengths, <laughs> letter and light trial to finish the seed off. So what the hell is that? You know? We kind of started um, but, off that way. Like I played in the first seed of the tournament. And that was like one of the grossest things I've played in, in a while. So I kind of started off that way in a way. But yeah, it's, I think the settings just kind of lend themselves to that. And I think, you know, obviously as a lot more variance because you're adding more things to the pool. So um, I think you'll you'll see even more highs and lows than you normally would like in season three tournament. But even in like weekly settings, I don't know. There's something weird going around. Like the randomizer is sentient. I'm like 99% sure now. It just every weekly seed is bad uh, and it, a lot of these seeds have also been pretty uh, beefy i would say so i don't know how random it actually is but humans are usually pretty bad at understanding randomization so <laughs> it makes sense i think that about does it um do you guys want to go over anything else that we might have missed uh i think i've well i think we've covered just about everything to be honest yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm happy with what we've discussed overall i think we've got a good insight into uh dylan's brain so that i can actually beat what the hell's and phoenix feather but to be clear this isn't why we've got this episode but it's definitely gonna help so thank you <laughs> i really yeah, you like to it. get in <laughs> really like to get into the bracket phase but i've already resigned to the fate that i don't think that's going to happen at the end of the day, it's rando. Anything can happen. But yes, you're right. 
And at the end of the day, I've still got the fastest time in the tournament so far. So I've I've got that until someone takes it from me. Probably probably what the hell's himself when he's against me and Melrose and you know, not not only takes my t- place out of the tournament, but also takes my current tourney world record. You know, breaking yeah. my mark. I'm not gonna lie and say be? it's easy. Those guys are pretty pretty well well equipped to yeah <laughs> to do good well, this game, but it can happen. Funny funny story. Um, when I initially did the groups for uh, for the tournament itself, I did I did everything manually. I wrote everything on paper, you know, pen and paper, cut them all up and put them in cups and filmed myself on the webcam doing the whole draw. Took about forty five minutes, and the first time, and know that I say first time, the first time I did this. I had a really good group. I was like, oh, this looks pretty good. Me and Melrose could probably get out of the groups and we'll see how we get on in brackets. And then I sent, because we had to send all of the names and groups over to Melrose, who was doing the graphics for the reveal stream. And Melrose hits me up on Discord and they're like, this group's really strong. I think it was group a group like G or something like that. They were like, oh, this group is really strong. Why is Why is this group so strong? And I look at it and I'm like, well, it's fine. You know, there's there's a pool A because for those that don't know, there's a pool A team in every group, and there's either one or two pool B teams and one or two pool C teams, depending on distribution. But everyone had a one and only one pool A team, which is essentially anyone in the top 32. And Melrose points out this group that's really powerful. I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, this that that group, that's the pool A group. These two are pool Bs, and that one's pool C. It's fairly well balanced. And Melrose is like, wait, no, no, just Sam is a top 32 player. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so because I'd accidentally put two pool A teams in the same group and there was no way of easily fixing that without sort of doing something manual and wasn't quite in- integral to the to the groups phase, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to do the whole thing again. So I scrapped those groups and I redrew them and once I saw them, I was like, fuck, man, I have screwed myself so hard. I went from, like, a relatively decent group to I'm not even advancing through the brackets. What the hell's in Phoenix Feather? You've got to be kidding. I am livid. So the whole thing, the, the, I, I can only blame myself. If I would have just actually done it right, I would have got a nice group. Might have got to brackets easily, but no. I uh, Not only did I waste an hour of my time, I also got drawn into a worse and harder group. So there we go. Can't win them all. Yeah, overall, I'm pretty happy with my group and how it's gone so far. Um, 2-0, scheduled to play against Gav and Dylan uh, in a couple of days. So that's uh, it's it's scary. I'm not going to lie. It's scary. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. You've just, you've just asked him everything he would do on a seed, you know? So you've got all the inside information on Dylan's plays, unless this entire thing Yeah, wait, thing hang just... on. What, what are you guys doing exactly? What are you putting... Are you, what, what... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I rush skull mask every you know the first oh, thing I do right. is rush skull mask and then go into chickens. That's my that's my opening round, and ironically <laughs> that would have paid off like on a couple of seeds that we've done. Uh, Want to thank again our uh, guest for joining us this week, Dylan Meebel. Um, I know you have a you said uh, during this you had a weekly race right every Monday and that's at what time again? 
the EU time, uh, EU friendly time is 3 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. UTC, and the NA time slot is 8 p.m. Eastern, 12 a.m. UTC. Yeah, those uh, those NA races have been really popular the past few weeks. There's been, what, six or seven teams in those? Yeah. Yeah, it's been really good. So if, if you're in uh, the EU time zone, get yourself involved, because those ones could use a, a few extra numbers, so it's not just me and Melrose. <laughs> or Fredasso and why you so epic. So, yeah, we just uh, recently yeah. pushed that time back an hour. You, you guys suggested that it was a little too late, and I I don't know. Time zones are hard, so I'm more than more than happy to try and accommodate more people to join. Because um, yeah. I love watching so, as well as not just playing in, in every weekly, which actually tomorrow I think I also am going to have to skip out on. But we'll see. But yeah, uh, thanks. Thank you very much for for having me. I I love talking about co-op and rando in general, and I very uh, am very much excited for the rest of the tournament and just rando in general. So yeah, pleasure all ours. Glad you uh, glad you could make it. Uh, and yeah, it's been great having you all. And that's gonna do it for us on the podcast this week. Thank you to Dylan Mabel for joining us again and. If you would like to join the podcast in terms of volunteering, we'll be having a form that we're going to put out uh, in the near future here. So stay tuned for that. If you want to help out, uh, we'd love to have you here on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, you can also message us via Discord, Twitch, or send us an email at gossipstonepodcast at gmail.com. And for all of us here on the podcast... Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time on the Gossip Stone Podcast. Mm-hmm.